1: Learn more at marines.com.
0: It's Tuesday, 11-7-2023. Level Up podcast in the building. Me and my boy Andy P sitting back chilling. Hey, we missed you guys on Monday, but we had to come to you on a Tuesday, a critical Tuesday, Because we're going to get that second college football playoff reveal in about the next 30 minutes. So you're going to be live on the podcast with me and Andy P as we talk about the games, the landscape of college football, all the interesting stuff that's going on. Man, can't believe we're going to talk about the Jim Harbaugh scandal because it's going to get ugly on the Level Up podcast tonight on Fans First Sports Network, Steel Curtain Network. Andy P, what's up with you, dude, man? Great to see you and you're back in the building.
1: Yeah, there we go. I'm, I'm I'm back after little trips to Pittsburgh. I got a trip to Atlanta coming up to watch some college football. So, this is uh this is the the heart of me going and watching football in person. I love I I have a big TV. I love having YouTube TV. I know they're not a sponsor or anything, but we're live on YouTube, so I'll give them some props. I love having that quad box going with the four games Man. at once. It, but there is nothing like watching a college football game or a pro football game in person. It's just a, dip, a different atmosphere, different vibe. Absolutely love it. But I'm excited to talk about a week 11 that I think is going to get real interesting because we saw last week. I think both of us were, you know, a little hit or miss with some of the picks that we had. We weren't perfect, yeah. but I thought we got the tone of a lot of games right. Like we're we're yeah. at a point where we have a really good vibe on teams. No one's really going to surprise us, at least schematically. Mm. But what has been interesting, and I I mean, we're going to get into it, is that there are some Big Ten teams that are really showing that they're a little bit better than I thought they were going to be. Just just from a pure execution standpoint, like the top tier of college football right now Mm. is I think better than it's ever been. Like we are talking about legitimate professional quality teams in the way that they prepare in the way that they
0: execute. It, it's really fun to watch, man. Andy, you know, the, the thing that I, you know, just, you know, recapping and all what we've been talking about is that, yeah, we missed on a couple of games, you know, especially in the sec and I'm gonna call on myself. I'm sec bias. You know, I got some bias going on with that, but I, like you said, the overall tone and understanding the implications that's going on with those games, You know, it's big-time games the rest of the way because we called it from the rip that it's playoffs now, today. Every week is an elimination game or an elimination factor or something that's going to play into setting the stage for the final four teams for the college football playoff. So this week is no exception. Week 11 is no exception at all. But before we get to week 11, let's just talk a little bit about that first playoff seedings. You know, we saw 1 through 10. We know that Oklahoma's toast. They're cooked. They're out of here. We know they're gone. You know, but now you got those other nine remaining teams that possibly four of going to play in a college football playoff. So one through six, we got the Buckeyes, we got Georgia, we got the Michigan Wolverines, we got the Florida State Seminoles, the Washington Huskies, and the Oregon Ducks. Andy, do you think there'll be any changes tonight based on the first six? and the first poll cuz we're looking at about 20 some minutes and we're going to know the truth and see how the committee actually thinks about the college football landscape i don't think that there will be a
1: major change if only because you could have argued that missouri giving georgia a game was was willing of them dropping considering how large that spread was so technically Georgia underperformed, but then the said could be same about that Ohio State Rutgers game that you called out being being a trap struggle game for Ohio State. But even then, like, Ohio State didn't cover, but, like, they still beat Rutgers by multiple scores. Like, we're not talking about a single-score game that, you know, needed a final possession to win or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So, out of all of the playoff teams that we're kind of talking about in this top four, the most impressive win to me was Washington handling USC – but even mm. that required some defensive stops, and it was still a four, you know, a four point game um, at at the end. So I look at this and I go, in reality, this isn't a week where I expect a whole lot to change. But I think mm. it does set set some things up for this upcoming week. Like how, like, can you really come up with an argument? for why you drop florida state and raise up washington or why you drop georgia and then raise up ohio state just based on the last week's games mm. I, I don't know if I can do it convincingly if it happens it happens but like I'm I don't feel strongly about it if that makes sense
0: yeah I, andy I cannot remember a time you know just from a recap standpoint that we've been this far along you know with only like a couple of weeks remaining in the scheduling and there's still a lot to be decided I mean, I think over the last several years, there's been some type of clear picture with an upset or two that's twisted the rankings. But we've pretty much known going into it who the final four teams was. I think right now, legitimately, you got 10 teams that could be in the playoffs. I think yeah. right, based on who loses where and how, there are legitimately, in my mind, 10 teams that can make the college football playoff which I, I can't remember the last time we had that much debate going into the last week. It's just not been happening, you know, because we got, you know, we still got a bunch of undefeateds, but there's some one loss teams that are quality programs, Oregon, Texas, Ole Miss, Bama, you know, th- these are quality one loss. Louisville's even in, in, in this conversation. So there's a quality one loss teams that if the thing turns the right way, we don't know who in heck is going to be playing in the college football playoff. So, man, this is like a big thing. And I think it even pushes to the fact to know for sure that we are headed in the right direction to get a 12-team playoff. I wish they had done it this year because it would have been exciting as heck because of the top-heavy quality teams we have in college football. But, you know, it is what it is. You got any rebuttal, Andy? What you, what you thinking?
1: not a rebuttal, but I just think it's kind of funny. Like when you, you, you hit the nail on the head, like this has been the most contentious is the wrong word, but it's kind of the word that's, that, that's coming to me. Because when you look at, we talked about the top six, but then at seven and eight and nine, you've got Texas, Alabama, and Oklahoma. And that Texas game earlier in the year over Alabama looms large because, you then start looking at the rest of the top 10. And we've we've got Ole Miss, we've got Penn State, yeah. you know, we got Notre Dame down at 15, uh, Tennessee at 17. Like this was supposed to be a down year yeah. for the Big 12 and the SEC. And yet mm. we're talking about all these teams being right up with there. And in any other year, we would be laying out scenarios for Bama or the Big 12 winner to get into the playoff. Right. And the reality of the situation is, is that when you look at the Big Ten, when you look at FSU, when you look at the Pac-12, I'm not sure there's an actual pathway unless multiple of the top six teams lose. Like, yeah. I don't think that Bama can jump any of the Pac-12 teams that are left. I don't mm. think that Texas or Oklahoma can jump any of the teams ahead of them without some major losses coming down the stretch, just because the, the resumes have been too good. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's – it's a Great. You're 100 percent right. Like if we had a 12 team playoff this year, we'd be talking about how we get Tim's Notre Dame into that, you know, 12th, 12th spot to, to play in a big game. But then you've got right. LSU hanging around at 14. You've yeah. got Oklahoma State who just won Bedlam at 22nd. Who's going yeah. to move up in the rankings? It, right. This is probably the best top 25 that I have had in a very
0: long time of, of watching college football, which is crazy. Right. Agreed and 100% facts without a shadow of a doubt. And that's why we love college football. That's why we come to you guys and do the Level Up podcast on Fans First Sports Network, rocking out for sure, talking about playoffs, college football, and just in general. So, Andy, we got some games. We got some slates. And like we said, in about 15 minutes or so, we're going to have that poll hit. It's not a poll. It's actually the review of the committee hit. And we're gonna see what's jumping off with of the top ten. So before we get to it, we're gonna talk a little bit about a game. But I'm gonna give you guys a precursor. We're gonna this might be the biggest game on the slate, but there's something bigger going on about this game. So the game we're gonna talk about is the Michigan Wolverines traveling to College Station to play the Penn State Nittany Lions in a whiteout in Penn State. Who could the game could not get any bigger? Michigan State ranked number three. Penn State not probably going to be in the top ten, and this game is like for a huge Big Ten implications. But there's some stuff going on with the Michigan program, and Andy, hey, I'm gonna call a spade a spade, man. There's some stuff that 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 could wreck college football as we know it, based on what's happening with Michigan. Now I want I want to just set this set the tone so you understand and know it is not illegal to steal signs. It's not. It is totally acceptable by the NC2A. It's totally acceptable by the Big Ten. How you steal signs is what Michigan did this illegal. Because this thing is beyond a Ponzi scheme. This thing is like huge, like a, a Rico. You know, basically, without a shadow of a doubt. There's some racketeering, some money laundering. There's guys on sidelines and costumes. For, of course, for Central Michigan University versus Michigan State. There's some some stories out there talking about a guy on the sideline for South Carolina. There's a lot of stuff going on with this. And I think it's just going to have huge implications, maybe starting today or tomorrow, concerning what happens with Harbaugh in the program. And or if not, definitely – Maybe some vacated wins. Maybe if you're the Big Ten champion, maybe if you're the national champion, it don't count. Andy, your feelings about this whole sign stealing scandal at the University of Michigan?
1: Yeah, I think this is one of the more interesting stories, not just because of who's involved in terms of Michigan and Jim Harbaugh and the very complicated relationship that has existed between Harbaugh and the Michigan fan base and his consistent. I don't know how else to say it, but his flirtations with the NFL jobs that, that pop up consistently. Yep. Like, this is what makes the whole thing so interesting. And I I think fundamentally, you, you hit the nail on the head. Like, it is an open, open secret that college football teams have staff members dedicated to trying to decode and steal signs. And that was That's what nice. came out today in the mm-hmm. sign-stealing scandal, was that there was at least one team – that had successfully created a one sheeter that decoded Michigan's entire signs uh, operation. And what makes this, again, interesting is that we're not just talking about Michigan stealing signs. We're yeah. talking then about other teams who found out that Michigan stole signs illegally, getting yeah. retribution not by going to the Big Ten, but by then giving out that stolen Michigan code-breaker sheet to yes. other teams that played Michigan. And to me, that's like one. It's a level of of intrigue that's going to allow this story to continue to go on and allow this investigation to continue to go on, which means yeah. that we're not going to get a resolution for a while. Yeah. But to me, that is the most petty college football coaching stuff that you can possibly do. <laughs> no, I'm not going to tell <laughs> on Total you. Facts. I'm Total just facts. going I'm just going to make your life so much worse. Yeah. And I I am I'm interested to see what the decision is because ultimately the NCAA is not going to do anything. The NCAA does not like to get involved in these matters, but the big 10 will do something. And Mm. I think there's going to be something from the big 10, whether it's a coaching suspension, whether it's a reduction of staff for a period of time, you can't let Michigan go unpunished for illegally using technology to steal signs. It's the same thing that the Houston Astros did and you saw what happened when major league baseball initially did nothing to punish the Astros was Mm. the rest of the sport said, you've just given a green light for teams to figure out ways to do it. And then they came down with the harsher punishments and the bans of certain people after that, after that backlash. So the the big 10 will do something. I just don't know if, what happened next, as in, you know, these other schools giving out the Michigan like sign stealing plays, if mm-hmm. that is going to warrant punishment or not. Cause again, that's a gray area here where mm-hmm. there's no rule against it. It's just never really been done because Michigan yeah. did something that was unprecedented and illegal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the precedent. You know, the precedent is, and I, Andy, I agree with you in totality. The NC2A will not do anything right away because they're going to fully investigate it. They're going to allow Michigan, you know, to prove themselves not guilty by a shadow of a doubt. So once they file, Michigan lawyers will get involved and there'll be, you know, a 90 day review period, which is the NC2A bylaws. You know, but I think without a shadow of a doubt, the Big Ten is going to get involved because because of how big the implications is. But the issue with the Big Ten is this. You're caught between a rock and a hard place, bro. If I I do something to them, does that affect the ability for my team to generate revenue from a possible two-headed monster in a college football playoff? Because let me tell you something. If Michigan and Ohio State play that last game and they're both undefeated and that game's close either way it goes, it's going to be almost impossible to not put both of them in the playoff. Because of both of them being undefeated all the way down to the end. Now, some other things would have to happen. You know, you would got to have, you know, Georgia drop a game. There's some things, but it's going to be hard to say, well, my only loss is to the team that's the number one ranked team in the country. Come on, man. And, and that's the only game I lost. And, I'm, and I've am and i been in a one or two all season. That's going to be a hard deal. But the question is, or, is the standard the standard? So I'm going to do something. I've never done this on a Level Up podcast before. I'm gonna give it a Gistradamas, right? I predict that the Big Ten officials will step in before the end of the season and suspend Coach Harbaugh indefinitely. I that's what they're gonna suspend because ultimately it's him having institutional control. It you could say it wasn't Harbaugh, he didn't know. You could say it was stallions, you could say it was all these other things. But the bottom line is. It's his job to know what's going on in his program. You can say it was the the, the assistant coaches and Harbaugh didn't know. No, they're not going after the assistants. They're going after the head. So ultimately, I think Harbaugh is going to pay. Now, I would much rather have him pay than the team pay. But this might be a double-headed sword, Andy. And it could be where Harbaugh pays and the players pay. And that's what I'm, I'm not hoping. I hope that they can settle it on the field. Let Michigan run up against Ohio State. Let Michigan play Penn State at their full strength, and then let's see. But who needs to be punished is the coach. What's your thoughts, man? I I like that a lot because
1: there's – the lack of institutional control is just a fancy NCAA word for saying we – something went wrong here, and we don't know – we can't prove it. But because yeah. something went wrong here, the, the responsibility is at the coach. And yeah. let's be real here. Co- college coaches at the level of of Jim Harbaugh, they are control freaks. Yeah. In fact, it's, it's part of their whole pitch to the admin is that they are in full control of their program. And so when something like this happens and you give a guy a job mm. after or during or whenever the sign stealing was happening, Mm. It, the ultimate responsibility is up on you. And that and that mm. comes with the gig. That's why you get paid the obnoxious amount of money. That's why you get all the endorsement deals and, and all the extra things. It, it's yeah. your program. Facts. And at the end of the day, if there is going to be a punishment doled out, it has to be on the head coach. And again, like I kind of mentioned off the top, what makes this story so interesting is that Jim Harbaugh has never been one to shy away from wanting to go to the NFL. And yeah. right now there is there is one opening, and it is with a franchise that is considered one of the legacy franchises in the NFL, in Facts. the Raiders, Facts. where Jim Harbaugh used to be a quarterback's coach. In fact, he was the quarterback's coach when that team was in the Super Bowl. Facts. And that is a franchise that likes to hire from within its own coaching tree and its own family. We're not even talking about the fact that the Bears' job might come up. We're not talking about the fact that the Chargers' job might come up. There's probably another job that we're not even thinking about that's going to be open. So mm. if a suspension comes down, the look is going to be immediately to does Jim Harbaugh leave Michigan? And yeah. now we're opening up an entire situation that that makes the entire college landscape look differently because as we've seen in the past, when a job like that comes open, it has a ripple effect all the way down the college ecosystem as coaches and coordinators start shifting around. And as of as of today, it doesn't look like we're going to have a program that large, have a head coach opening. You know, Mm. a lot of these big programs already made their changes with head coaches in the last couple of years and that things seem to be going well. So Mm. we were expecting a pretty quiet offseason coaching cycle here. If your prediction comes true, I think Harbaugh leaves to the NFL. And I think that this offseason gets real messy in a hurry for a lot of programs as we wait and see who Michigan decides to ultimately backfill and what the, uh, what the ripple
0: effect is downstream there. I, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. Andy, everything you presented, I believe is 100% facts. And I think, like I said, that we're going to see something big because we've never seen anything like this before. We've never seen anything like this. This is unprecedented. And, and the thing about it is Jimmy Harbaugh, I ain't mad at you, bro. But the issue is you got to do it the right way. You know, you can go sit in cameras and all whatever else. You got to do it the right way. I'm not hating on you. I love the Buckeyes, but believe me and trust. I want Michigan to go undefeated until they play Ohio State. Win every game until you play Ohio State. And the issue is, you got caught with your hand in a cookie jar. When I told one of my guys that I share podcasts with, shout out to Payboy and the Bear Claw Payday for the and the Bear Paul podcast payday. I told you, it's like me getting caught speeding, and I'm saying, well, the car in front of me was moving faster. No, I got caught with my hand in a cookie jar, so it's my fault. And that's really what's going on right here with Jimmy Harbaugh. But, Andy, we're going to close this subject out. We're going to take a quick commercial break on the Level Up podcast, pay some bills, and then we're going to come back and give you the preview of the Michigan-Penn State game. We'll be back in 10. back with the Level Up Podcast, November 7th, 2023. We got College Football Poll 2 coming out in about seven minutes, eight minutes, y'all. It's exciting to be here on a Tuesday, man. We're hitting up the Level Up with me and my boy Andy P, rocking out on Fans First Sports Network. Andy, we talked about a couple other things. Let's get to the games. Let's get to doing what we do on the podcast. Game number one. We was just talking about it. <laughs> back, Penn State Nittany Lions, Michigan Wolverines, College Station, Penn Station, Whiteout at night. The big show is going to be there. Game day is going to be there. It's probably the game of the year so far in the Big Ten. Andy, what you got, man? Penn State versus Michigan. This is one of the weirdest games
1: to break down, not just because of everything that's happening off the field, but because Michigan has had such a easy ride to this point. Now they've been dominant every step of the way. And and I think that that does say a lot about a team as we've seen in other years where, where teams that have had this easy of a schedule don't Mm -hmm. dominate and then falter at the first real challenge that they have. So looking at SP plus, which is my favorite uh, opponent adjusted predictive metric, Michigan has the number one ranked defense they have the number. They have the number five ranked offense. Like they are an overall complete team when you look at them via SP Plus. The thing is that that Penn State is also one of the more complete teams. SP Plus has Penn State all the way up at number five, uh, with the four, fourth best defense, twenty first best offense. And I think that it seems cliche to say, but this is going to come down to Michigan's defense versus Penn State's offense. And we saw in that Ohio State game that Penn State doesn't, it's not that Penn State necessarily struggled to move the ball against Ohio State, it was just that they were behind the chains so often, and I think this is one of the things that when you look at Michigan, what they do really well is uh, cause havoc for teams early downs, so uh, their early down success rate on defense is the 10th best in the country. Penn State's also up there on defense, but when you then look at the offense, Penn State's offense isn't quite as good in early down situations, and I I think that's really going to come down to it. Like, How much can Michigan make Penn State chase the chains? Because if that's what happens and Penn State's consistently playing from behind, uh, in terms of yardage situations, where they're in first and plus territory instead mm-hmm. of you know first you know uh, they're in second and plus instead of being in second and eight, second and seven second uh, sixes, I, yeah. I think that I think Penn State's in for a hard time. Um, mostly just because I I've, I said it after the Ohio State game with you, I think that next year is Penn State's year. I, I don't know if they have the juice mm. like just on a pure talent v talent situation. Um, you know, we saw Marvin Harrison did what he did. I'm wondering if we kind of get the same game here where maybe Blake Corum has his big moment in, in Happy Valley and makes it a tough time for that Penn State defense.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I, I do believe that's the issue, but how much has Drew Aller grew up? Yeah, since the Ohio State game, because you know, we've seen a different guy than, be, or, or, matter of fact, I think a lot of this is on James Franklin. Because how aggressive is he going to be against Michigan and let Drew Aller just get loose? Because I know after they lost, man, Aller started throwing the ball all over the place. He was throwing it downfield. throwing. I mean, it it was like the script against Ohio State was so vanilla because they were so scared that this kid was going to make a mistake. And then everybody else they played against, they let him loose. So I I think that's what it comes down to. And can Michigan's defense stop them? Because Michigan – well, Penn State's got now, let me let's don't get this twisted. Penn State's got two All Americans on both left and right tackle. The kid on the left tackle, he's gonna be a top seven draft pick. The kid on the right tackle, he's gonna be a top seven next year. <laughs> they're all they're all American tackles. They can block all day and night. But Michigan's defense puts pressure on you. The deal about Michigan is they haven't played anybody to see if they can actually apply pressure in big time games, you know. And that's where the, my spin goes about the Michigan offense is J.J. McCarthy for real. I, I don't know if he is or ain't, but if he is, he's going to win. Let, let me tell y'all something. Hmm. Even with the scandal going down with Michigan, if Drew, if J.J. McCarthy whoops Penn State and J.J. McCarthy whoops Ohio State, guess who's going to win the Heisman Trophy, ladies and gentlemen? I don't care what you say. That kid's going to win it because he's going to have those signature wins for him being the guy, you know, in the best conference in all of football, he's going to win it. So, it, it will the real J.J. McCarthy stand up or will the real Drew Aller stand up? And then does James Franklin, and I hate to say it, you know, I know we're fans first family, you know, but will they have the wibbles to, to push the ball up the field and say, Michigan, I don't scare you. you don't scare me. I don't care what side you done stole we push, we mashing the gas on you. So that's why I think that where it comes down to, Andy, your thoughts, man.
1: Yeah, I'm I, I'm a hundred percent in agreement here that I think the offense is going to be a big a big part of this. So I, I just put up there, you know, the line is Penn State's a four and a half point underdog here. I think mm-hmm. that this is going to be, you know, a three point game. You know, last team to have the ball kind of wins it. But when I look at you know, when I look at PFF's grades for Michigan, you know sure. McCarthy's ranked as the third best quarterback in co- in college football this year by by their metrics. Um, their their tight end Barner is ranked number one now that you know our boy down in uh, Georgia is, is out for an extended period of time. You know Blake Corms, nice. one of one of the top twenty five running backs in the country. Mm. They to me, Michigan has more playmakers at the skill positions on their side of the ball. Mm-hmm. And we know Harbaugh is not afraid to put the ball in the hands of his running back and his tight end. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's going to be about taking those shots down the field. It's about hitting those over the middle, 10 plus yard, you know, seams and posts and mesh routes that allow you to move the ball in chunks on good defenses, which is what what, you're, what they're going to have to do to win this game. Mm-hmm. And ultimately i I just feel like what Michigan has shown against bad opposition is that they can play a simplified playbook and beat you over the head with it. And I have no doubt that they're going to start the game off. They're going to start simple. They're not going to try to shock and awe Penn State. You're on the road. You want to keep things close and safe early. Mm. But I'd like to see later in the game a little bit more vertical concept from them, a little bit more stretch plays, because I think they can pull it off. And if they do pull it off, it's going to go a long way in me personally feeling like Michigan is worthy of being up there with Ohio state in the top two of the college football playoff.
0: Yeah. And Andy, you're absolutely right. Penn state's defense, man, is for real. And remember you guys, chop Robinson went out very early in this game for Penn state. Chop Robinson is going to play Chop Robinson is a first round NFL draft pick. He's going to be a top 20 pick. So he's going to play, you know, so you got that kid returning in the whiteout, man. It's going to be bananas. You know up there, if if outside of all college football, I wish I had tickets to the Penn State Michigan game this weekend because it's going to be nuts. So Andy, we're to the point where we do the pick. Michigan Penn State. Who you got and why, bro? There's a lot about this game that I that I
1: really like uh there's a lot about this game that i think is going to make it an absolutely must watch i love that this game is on at noon i think that michigan has the better skill positions and i think that that's the difference we saw that against penn state and ohio state you know marvin harrison was the difference for the buckeyes in that game i think blake quorum is going to be the difference for michigan in this one give me the wolverines 24-21, I think it's going to be real tight. I think it's going to be real close. I think Penn State covers that four-and-a-half-point line, but I think Michigan escapes their first test with a success, but none of us are feeling super positive about, you know, Michigan going toe-to-toe with Georgia or Ohio State
0: yet. Andy. Andy. That is a barn burner, man. You took the Wolverines against the Nittany Lions in Penn State. That is, man, that's that's a great pick. That's a, And I understand why you did it. Man, let me tell you something, man. Nobody circles the wagons like the Nittany Lions. <laughs> nobody, nobody circles the wagons like the Nittany Lions. Penn State, man, and this is what the college football playoff doesn't want to happen. Because it's total anarchy. Because if Penn State beats... Michigan and Michigan beats Ohio State. Guess who goes to the to the Big Ten championship game? The Penn State Nittany Lions. So you're gonna have Ohio State sitting at the crib and Michigan sitting in the crib, no way into the playoff. So I want it to be messy. I want mm-hmm. it to be messy. Man, give me Penn State 28, 21. JJ McCarthy throws a pick for Penn State to win. Maybe even a pins a pick six. Give me Michigan. I mean, give me Penn State for the dub, 28-21. Wow. Andy, yeah, hey, man, I got to do what I got to do, dog. Got to do what I got to do. And I'm not hating on Michigan. So all you guys out there thinking I'm hating on Michigan, I'm not. I just don't think they're battle-tested. All right? So that that's, that's my pick. Tim, I like that pick too, man, but I like Penn State at the crib. The whiteout is going to be bananas. All right, man, Andy, we're going to make our inaugural Run back to the Pac-12. We go there every week. We're back there again. Another big, huge game. Utah Utes, Washington Huskies. Michael Penix Jr. is trying to get that Heisman Trophy, y'all. That's what's going on out there. But you, every year, this is what happens. We we have a clear-cut favorite out there in the Pac-12, and Utah spoils the party. This has been going on for years, right? Right. So does Utah spoil the party this week, Andy? What you got? I, I think that Washington
1: has done a lot to make me like them but not love them. Uh, I, I understand why they're the fifth team and Florida State's the fourth team. You know, Florida State has shown a bit more dominance over mid-competition, while Washington has, over the last few weeks, really kind of struggled. And I thought that that USC game, I don't think USC is a very good team. I'm happy that they fired Alex Grinch. We'll talk about them a little bit later. Mm. But I I don't think that they're as hyped up as a lot of people think that they are. And Washington did need to figure out a way to stop them uh, and and couldn't do it consistently. But again, it's it's Caleb Williams. It's a team that's absolutely fantastic. Mm. Um, I am a big fan of Pennix jr. Like just taking a look at, at what he's been doing in the passing game. It, it's just been so it's been so efficient. Like he is just able to dart the ball all over the field. He's running an NFL based system with timing. Mm. He's got NFL weapons. They are. I think that the Washington Huskies out of the top six teams that are in the playoff, uh, like top six of the playoff rankings. I think the Washington Huskies are the best offense. Period. Mm. I I Mm. like them better than the the Michigan offense. Uh, I think that it is a bit more explosive. I think it's a bit more dynamic. I think it's a bit more efficient. I I just like what they're able to do with the big play that Michigan has yet to kind of show that they can do against quality competition. Again, maybe we'll see that change this week. But I I think that for Utah, their annual spoil the party, they're going to need to have a heck of a game, especially because it's on the road. Like, you know, Utah really did struggle when they went on the road to play Oregon. And now they got to go play Washington, a team that beat Oregon at their own uh, at the, you know, up in Seattle. So I, I just think that this is going to be a tall task for Utah to, to even keep this one close.
0: Man, Andy, I hear you, man. But I saw the Washington Huskies give up almost 50 points to USC Trojans. Now, I'm not talking about Caleb Williams is playing quarterback for Utah. That's not what happened. But I think Utah is the toughest team in the Pac-12. And if Washington's ever going to lose a game this season, this is the game. Mm-hmm. They, because they're going to look forward. They're looking forward to what they got. They got they, they got Washington State at the end. You know They're going to have a rematch against the Oregon Ducks. Hey, man, this is the game they can lose. But I think if Penix wins this game, I think he's sealed for New York. There's no if, ifs, ands, buts about it. I think he's sealed. Now, where he finishes, don't know. But I think he's sealed for New York. He needs a big game because this is the factor with Utah. They have shown that they struggle with defensive-heavy teams. Look what Arizona State did to them. Look what Arizona did to them. They screwed with them because they they sat in that cover, two and they mashed the gas the whole time. And they were like, we're not going to let this guy beat us. So what Washington has done from a playmaking standpoint is they flipped and they became a run-centric team. The running back had 200-some-odd yards and four touchdowns last week. So they're saying, okay, we're not going to force it with Michael Penix, but we're still going to try to beat you because our offense is dynamic. So I think it's a huge game. I think it's probably the most underrated big game in the Pac-12 this season, without a shadow of a doubt. Andy, any final thoughts before we give our pick? for Utah and Washington. I love that you brought up about that
1: defense. If you look at uh, EPA early down success rate on defense, Utah is the best team in the country at limiting uh, early down. So first and second down success, Utah's defense does it better than anybody else. In fact, they're the number one defense in the country when it comes to EPA, uh, especially against the past. So this is really a strength on strength game. Because Utah's defense, one of the best out there. Washington's offense—if you look at um, overall EPA on offense—they're one of the best. You know, fourth overall on offense, fifth in passing, seventh in early down rate. This is going to be one of those games where Styles kind of make the fight, and mm. Utah does not have a great offense. Washington's defense is nowhere near as good as their offense. Yes, it's one of these situations where the you know the the best players have to rise up to the top. And I think that that's what makes a great college football game is when you have these two diametrically opposed styles coming up
0: against each other. And it's strength on strength, strength on strength. That's what's cracking. Andy, give me your pick. We got the game. Give me your pick. Who you got. I
1: like the Huskies to win this one. I think we've seen it time and time again. It's really hard to win on the road in the PAC 12. That being said, I don't like the nine and a half number. I, I think Utah is going to keep it closer than that. I think Utah's, going to make it interesting and painful for Michael Penix Jr. Their offense is based a lot on timing, and I think Utah's really going to disrupt that timing, and Washington's going to need to rely on the ground game to win this one, but they're going to be running it up against a very stout defensive front. Give me Washington to win this game. I like the Huskies winning this one 27-23, to 23, and I think, uh, I think Washington feels... Pretty good coming out of it, but
0: it's it's going to feel tight there. Yeah, I, I think Afton, I it, yes, it's a question. I think Washington will win, but Andy, you're 100% on it. This game is going to be tight. And, and that's the issue. Michael Penix Jr. has showed us that when the biggest moment's hit, he balls out of control. He did against the Trojan Boys. He did against the Oregon Ducks. He's shown that he's him, without a shadow of a doubt. He has showed that he is him. So the issue is, can you do it one more time? Because this one more time is going to seal the deal. He knows it. We know it as fans. You get the dub against Utah, you just sealed your your, your ticket to to NYC. So I like Washington to win, but it's going to be close. It's going to be close. I like 31-20. Washington pulls away late, 31-20. Give me the Huskies, and I think Penix throws for 275 yards and three touchdowns and seals his, his ticket to New York City without a shadow of a doubt. Andy, we're going to take a top quick commercial break. We got a few more games to cover, but we're going to shift gears so that way after we take 10, we can give you the updated college football rankings because we just got 10 through 7 revealed to us. We're waiting to see what's going on 6 through 5. So give us 10. We'll be back in a second after we pay some bills. The Level Up Podcast, 11-7-2023. 20, Me and my boy Andy P sitting in the building, Fans First Sports Network, rocking out, talking about college football. Andy, we're having right now live, I just saw 10 through 7, only no changes really at all outside of Ole Miss taking Oklahoma space. Alabama did not jump Texas. Alabama remains 8, Texas Joe 7. They just revealed Oregon at number six, Washington Huskies at number five. So, so far, no big changes. But I'm interested to see what's going to go on this one through four. We're going to go to our next game as they're revealing the one through four. We got the Georgia Bulldogs versus the Ole Miss Rebels. Six and one. I called old Georgia to lose last week. And I'm telling you something, man. I'm so mad at Cook, the quarterback from Missouri, he blew it. They had him. Yep. They had them. They had them dead to rights. They should have won, but they lost, and Georgia remains undefeated. So, Andy P., my brother, Mod on the Know It All's podcast, been saying for weeks, this is where the Bulldogs going to take the L. Give me the preview about Georgia and Ole Miss this week.
1: I am having conflicted emotions about Ole Miss. They're a team that just holistically kind of looking at what they do – it's been really upsetting for me, just because I we know what this offense is. They're according to SP Plus, they're you know a top a top they're the 11th uh, unit, so just outside the top 10. They've done some really nice things on that side of the ball. Defensively, they're just outside the top 30. Uh, special teams, they're just outside the top 40. So they're not necessarily a balanced team. They rely on their offense a lot more than they rely on anything else, but still holistically a pretty good team. I just have not liked the way that Ole Miss has matched up with more physical competition. So mm. we saw it in that Alabama game. Uh, we saw it against Tulane, who was playing with a backup quarterback and backup wide receivers. Mm. They, they will gladly play and win a shootout. And they can dominate a shootout, especially mm. with the way that they're built on defense. Like That secondary can, can help them win a shootout game. But when you're playing a game in the trenches, I don't necessarily know if I am a firm believer. And when you look at what Georgia wants to do, like all things considered, Carson Beck has really stepped up. We, I really thought that with the loss of Brock Bowers and losing his safety net and his passing ability over the middle, I didn't think that Beck was really that elite of a passer. And yet he has continued to be a plus arm in those deep balls over the middle without him. And I, I think and that that has been the biggest surprise of the year for me.
0: He's him, Andy. He's him. There ain't no doubt about it. But keep going. Keep going. You got it. Yeah, I I just overall, like the, the Georgia offense has
1: impressed me a lot these last few weeks if only because I thought they were one trick pony, they are not a one trick pony at all. Uh, turns out that they are just tight end. You, you know, you lose Darnell Washington. We got Brock Bowers. You lose Brock Bowers. Great. We got another guy that's going to come in here, step up, do the same stuff and and, and dominate. So yeah. I am, I am of the belief that at this point in time, while not as dominant as last year's team, this Georgia team is legitimate. And I am very tempted to get back on my Georgia is the favorite to win the SEC without
0: a shadow of a doubt. Like I just mm. need to see one more game. I just need to see one more game. I feel you. A hey, quick pivot too. We had the top six revealed live on the Level Up College Football Podcast. The top six remains the same: Ohio State one, Georgia two, Michigan three, Florida State four, Oregon five, um, Washington five, and Oregon six. So we'll come back to that for sure. But For this game, Georgia versus Ole Miss, Andy, I think the L is here. (laughs) I've been calling for it for weeks. I think the L is here. I think this is the week that Georgia goes down. I just don't think that you continue to line up and line up and play and play and play against top quality. But the only reason why I'm scared to make the pick or hesitant to make the pick is because of Lane Kiffin, man. Lane Kiffin. If it can be an egg laid in the egg bowl for Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin is gonna lay the egg, man. It happens every time, and so I'm like, man, Coach Coach Kirby Smart, he's a better coach. And and when it comes down to that, Lane Kiffin versus Kirby Smart, it's one of the things I don't know, you know. So saying all that, Andy, Georgia, Ole Miss
1: who you got I'm just taking a look at their general coverage reports one of the things that that Georgia do, has consistently done they're targeting that middle of the field and and they're doing just a great job of completion and and doing the work uh, the best corners for or the best coverage grades for Mississippi according to PFF it's it's a lot of their safeties i don't their linebackers are painfully mediocre covering over the middle their cornerbacks mm painfully average at covering uh they they rely on a lot of their safety help to kind of keep things from going over the top on them i i just think that georgia matches up way too well in the trenches i think georgia matches up way too well in the passing areas where they want to go and i think that we're going to see a georgia team move the ball pretty methodically on all Ole Miss and keep Olmis' offense off the field for large chunks of the game and that's going to be enough because yeah, I'm with you. I Kirby Smart versus Lane Kiffin, I got to take Kirby all day, every day, man.
0: Man, that's, that's that makes it so hard for the pick, man. And normally I'm 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 on it because I, you know the SEC bias, man. It just eats at me, man. Because the playoff committee always wants to have an SEC team in, but could this be the year we don't get no SEC team in? Could this be the year? I highly doubt it. So. I'm going to stick with my gut, man. Ole Miss Rebels beat the Georgia Bulldogs. 28-24. Hudson Carr gets the ball back late, and Lane Kiffin puts the drive together to go down and beat them. I've been calling for it forever. I think Georgia can be had. This is not the 2020 or 2021 Georgia Bulldogs. This is not the same team. They don't have NFL talent all over the place. So they can get got. Missouri showed the way. Because I'm telling you, I watched the whole game and they had them. They blew it. So Ole Miss, can you come in and do the same thing? Can you put pressure on them and not make the key mistakes? Because Cook threw two picks that cost them the game. Card plays a clean game for Ole Miss. We're getting a dub. We're getting a dub down there in old Oxford. So give me the Ole Miss Rebels to whoop the Georgia Bulldogs. Andy, your quick reaction to no changes in the top 10 of college football poll except for now Ole Miss joins the discussion as a top 10 team. Your reaction, man, real quick.
1: Yeah, I I think it's fair. Um, I I think ultimately this is going to be – the, the story of the playoff. They're not going to really move teams down unless it's a dominant win and a really, really close lucky win by another team without losses happening. So I, I think it's fair. I I like where their heads at. I'm just again more interested in getting a vibe on what happens when we get to the game and one of Ohio State and Michigan has to lose. How far mm. do you drop one of those teams? especially if you continue to have this many undefeateds. So, again, that's that's the last game of the season. There's a lot that can happen between now and then, but that's the part that continues to be intriguing to me, especially considering, uh, you know, I, I think this Georgia-Ole Miss game will help us figure out, like if Georgia beats Ole Miss, yeah. how far does Ole Miss drop? That will help
0: us figure out how far a, another team could drop higher up the rankings. Or does Georgia jump Ohio State based on this dub? Yeah, that's why uh, I'm, I'm interested in seeing that more than anything. Yeah, it's you know? gonna be it's gonna be next week's rankings are gonna be fascinating if things
1: play out the way that Vegas thinks things are gonna play out.
0: Right. As of today, Andy, I'm gonna do something I've never done concerning the college football playoff committee. Congratulations. <laughs> you stuck, you stuck with, with your guns. Head to head matters, strictest schedule matters. This is the first time I've never seen anything unbiased. As of today, the Buckeyes have the number one strength of schedule as of today out of the top five. As of today, Texas has beat Alabama. So you're stuck to your guns. So strength of – as of today, Washington whooped Oregon. So you're sticking to your guns. Just stick to your guns the whole way. And there won't be all this backlash and all whatever else. Stick to your guns. Not about the eye test and what you think. What matters is strength of schedule, head-to-head play. That's all that matters. And that's how they're voting right now. So that's my quick reaction. Congratulations to the committee. You, you guys did well for the first <laughs> time in a long time. All right, Andy. We're moving on. That's why I got the gray out. That's why I'm Buckeye centric around here. Gray out for the Buckeyes. They're gonna rock a dog uniform you ain't never seen before. If you ain't seen it, go out there and look on the, the websites across the internet. The Buckeyes are wearing a uniform they've never wore before. It's an all gray out. It's one of the nastiest uniforms I've ever seen them wear, ever. This thing's going to be rocking and rolling in Columbus, Ohio. Night game, Buckeyes versus Michigan State. Ain't going to be no cakewalk. And like they talking about that 31-and-a-half favorite. They can kiss the baby on that one, bro. Because the Buckeyes might be the number one team. But there's still questions at that, that QB1 man for Ohio State. Andy, what you got going on with the Buckeyes versus the Michigan State Wolverines, man?
1: Yeah, I I think it's kind of funny. The Ohio State team, if you look at EPA, they are the 65th best or you know mediocreist uh rushing team when it comes to EPA, but they're still one of the top 20 offenses because their passing attack is so good thanks to one mm-hmm. Marvin Harrison Jr. And I think the Ohio state team has kind of learned that if you make the entire offense about Ohio, about uh, out of Marvin Harrison jr, you're going to be okay most weeks. And to me, that's, that's kind of the, the old, the Ohio state difference here. Uh, I think that there's a lot to be said about Ryan day, but the one thing that he does well is put together a passing scheme that really takes advantage of a defense's struggles in that area. Mm -hmm. And, When you look at Michigan State, this team is all sorts of a mess. I do not like them going on the road and having any kind of defensive presence here. Mm -hmm. And if the game plan is really going to be as simple as just target Marvin Harrison 15 times and let him come down with the ball 10 for 180 and three touchdowns, like that's all you got to do here. Obviously, you want to have there's a good chance that someone else could go off. But I'm just looking at this game going like, Marvin Harrison's going to eat here, man. It doesn't really matter who's throwing in the ball. Marvin Harrison's
0: going to eat. Man, I hear you, man. But this is the deal, man. Ohio State is as good as Travion Henderson running the ball. I'm a diehard Buckeye fan. They are as good as Travion running the ball. When Travion Henderson runs the football the way he's ran the last two games, after he healed from whatever this mystery injury that he had, And he shows up and shows out 200-plus yards rushing and receiving last two weeks. They are a different team. You really don't even need Marvin Harrison except for in the red zone, I.E.Y. Rutgers, he had four catches for 25 yards and two touchdowns because they only (laughs) needed to throw the ball up to him in the red zone. But this is what's on the line for the Buckeyes. Number one, seeding in the next college football playoff. You're a 31-and-a-half-point favorite. So you need to blow Michigan State out of the water. This game cannot be no 35-17, can't be no 28-17, can't be 31-21. You got to blow their doors off if you want to hold on to that number one spot. And number two, this is the game that's going to determine whether or not Marvin Harrison Jr. will get the invite to New York. He's got to have a game for the ages right here. He needs... 10-11 10-11 catches, 140 to 160 yards, two-plus touchdowns because the defense is there. Ladies and gentlemen, in my view, the Ohio State University has the best defense in the country. There ain't no ifs ands buts about it. They played last week, and they've been playing last several weeks, missing key guys. You're going to get Denzel Burke back this week. Maybe not Latham Ransom. Early reports say he's not going to play, but everybody else going to be out there, they're number one, bro. So, But the offense, the key is not going through Kyle McCord. It's key is going through Trevion Henderson, And Kyle McCord has got to continue to play mistake-free football. When he turns the ball over, that's why the games are closed. McCord, you can't be throwing no fun. You can't have no fumbles. You can't be throwing no picks. You've looked now, dynamic at times. And at times, you've looked straight trash. <laughs> so the issue is, which Buckeyes offense shows up? Andy P.? Michigan State, Ohio State, who you got? What's the score and why you got them?
1: I'm going to tell you right now, I think that Ohio State's pitching a shutout because that defense is one of the three best defenses in the country, mm-hmm. and the Michigan State offense, by any metric you want to go by, is one of the bottom ten units in the country. I do not think that Michigan State scores a point in this game. Ooh. But to your point, the what does Michigan State do on defense – they're respectable. They're mid somewhere around 65th. Uh, according to EPA SP plus has them a little bit lower in the seventies. It's still a unit that that's worthy of a big 10, uh, big 10 team. So I do think that it might be some tough sledding for Ohio state offensively, which is why I'm not going to pick something crazy. Like, you know, 56 to nothing. I, I think Ohio state wins this game 38, nothing. I, I think it's pretty, I think it's still a dominant blowout win. But I do think you're going to see a scenario where Ohio State's going to have a lot of short fields and there might be, like you were saying, there might be some frustrating turnovers. There might be a weird play here or there that keeps them from being dominant. But but overall, I think that this is a game where Ohio State should be able to cruise just because of how bad this Michigan State offense
0: is. Yeah, I agree. Hey, and this week without a shadow of a doubt too, Devin Brown, he's back. He's healthy, y'all. He's going to play. I know what I got. I got the inside scoop. Devin Brown's going to play in red zone packages, which rightfully should be. The reason why you haven't seen him the last couple of weeks is because he's been hurt. But now that they figured out that if you catch Marvin Harrison one-on-one in the red zone, you just throw it up to him. If you throw the ball to Marvin Harrison 10 times out of 10, he's he's, going to catch the ball. Maybe I'll give it nine times out of 10. He's going to catch the ball on the opposing team's defensive back. Doesn't matter who it is. But Kyle McCord, you might get the trash sign this week, dog. If you don't show up, I listen, I don't need you to be C.J. Stroud. Listen, there's l- let me say something. There's nobody like C.J. Stroud out there right now. He's the best court. He's a top-ten quarterback in the NFL right now today. I, I don't care what you say. He's a beast. He just showed you why just last Sunday. You ain't got to be Justin Fields. Heck, you don't even got to be the late, great Dwayne Haskins. We just need you to not be Honda McCord. Mm-hmm. So... We don't need you to be trash out there, bro. Because I promise you, you're going to move from the trash sign on with me and you might move to the ultimate dragon scrub sign. <laughs> you, you might become the scrub. So, McCord, don't lay an egg. 250 plus, two touchdowns. Buckeyes win 38 10. 38 10. They don't cover the 31 and a half, but 38 10, and a convincing win 38 10. Andy. We're to the last game. We back out west. Man, Pac-12, man, I can't say it enough. Pac-12 <laughs> football has been off the freaking chain, man. I love it. I, I we find, And it's a shame that this conference is going away because it's the football out of the country. Yeah, the, the Big Ten's got the three best teams, but the overall best play in the Pac-12 from from Colorado starting to kicking this off at the very beginning to now we're getting down here to crunch time and the real teams are standing up. Andy, we got the USC Trojans and the Oregon Ducks. This might be Caleb Williams' last college football game, y'all. Because he ain't got nothing to play for. He's gonna play against Oregon because it's a bad, it's a it's a highlight game, it's an opportunity for him to showcase his talents and his skills. But this might be the last time that we see Caleb Williams in a USC uniform because he ain't going to New York. I'm telling you right now, he ain't going to New York. And he's nothing to play for except for spoiler. So, Andy, we got a big-time push. 16 and a half for Oregon against the Trojan Boys. What you got, Andy?
1: Yeah, I I think that you, you hit the nail on the head here. Like This has been a remarkably disappointing season for Caleb Williams and USC based off of the expectations that they had coming in. And I lay all of that at the foot of Lincoln Riley. Like we have seen this USC defense has been an absolute mess. I mentioned it earlier. Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator, Lincoln Riley's dude is now finally been fired. They finally Adios, moved on from him. <laughs> Adios, muchachos. Look, at this at this point in time, I could have schemed up defenses as effectively as he was scheming them up because the goal was go out there and be 11 pylons and and let the other team run around you it, it was just not great <laughs> Wow I, I I am I, I just I hate seeing these teams that have all this potential that recruit so well that have all these resources and then go out and do the bare minimum especially when you can tell it's directly related to coaching like that's mm. the, that's the stuff that annoys me being a fan of a small team. That's like, just give me those resources. Our coaching staff gonna do so much with those resources. Anyways, Mm. uh, when I look at this game, the only hope that USC has is that Caleb Williams has one last bullet to fire in that chamber because Mm. we saw with the Oregon team multiple times this year. We saw it uh, when Utah came in. We saw it when when they went on the road to Washington. This offense with Bo Nix, it might not be the biggest names, but it's definitively one of the best at just moving the ball down the field and they will take those fourth down shots. You cannot get them off the field easily. And against a USC team that has not kept anybody off the field, I do not know if they are going to stop Oregon at all from scoring on every possession. So it's really Mm going to come down to Caleb and being able to do something against an Oregon defense that I still think is very good, but has definitely lost a little bit of its shine uh, after that Washington game. They didn't necessarily get exposed. We we just saw that they're not, you know, an elite Georgia-level defense yet. SP Plus has them as the 21st best defense in the country. That's still very good, but it's not the top 10 level that we thought that they could have been this year. So can Caleb Williams do enough against a very good defense to keep it within 16 points? Absolutely. Do I think that he's got the gas to do it? Man, he has every big challenge this year. They just have not
0: looked great. Andy, I got a yes or no question for you. And I wish we had a poll we could put up for the people watching this in the live chat. Just yes or no. Is Caleb Williams better than Michael Penix Jr.? Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Yes or no?
1: Who's better? I'm gonna take Penix. No, uh, no. I think I think at this I think at this point in time, Penix has really just showed. Like, I ah, it's it's tough. It's tough because right now they're both in college. I think Penix is the better college quarterback. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, we were talking off off screen about this with Will Levis. I do not think that Will Levis was ever a good quarterback at Kentucky. I thought that team nope. was built really well around him. But you nope. see it in the NFL, like. When you're six foot four, 240 pounds, and you could still run, you know, a sub 5:40, and you could do all these things, like it, you know, there, there's a different level at the at the next level that I don't know if Penix has it there. But I'm I'm taking I'm taking Penix,
0: man. I think that Penix is better. Hey, man, the live chat is going off. <laughs> They're <over there> going <laughs> off. They're going off. Let me tell y'all something, ladies and gentlemen. Kayla Williams is better than Michael Penix Jr. Oh, he is. He's better. Caleb Williams, Williams doesn't have the NFL talent around him like Michael Penix Jr. has. No, especially from a defensive standpoint. Caleb Williams is going to be the number one overall draft pick in this year's couple coming draft. And you can take it to the bank today. Bank it, right? And the issue is, Caleb Williams is going to show you what's really going on with the Washington defense. Because I think they suspect. So I think this is going to be a barn burner. You saw... 50-49 couple weeks ago with Oregon and what I mean with uh USC and Washington. What you think you're gonna see now? I ain't gonna spoil my pick, but I'm just letting you know this could be Caleb Williams' last game. And he's not going out a loser. I saw that kid jump up into the stands and cry like a baby holding on to his mom because he was so frustrated. People think he's out there for himself, he's not. This kid is a winner. He's a bona fide winner. I'm a diehard Pittsburgh Steeler fan. And if there was any way possible we could get Caleb Williams, oh, my God. I would be so happy I'd, I'd, I'd shake because he's a winner. And he wants to win. It's just his issue is that defensive coordinator could get to kicking rocks out there at USC. He's trash. That's why he got fired. And Lincoln Riley, you better pull it together. You might be next, buddy. So, Andy, give me your pick. Oregon 16 and a half versus the Trojan boys. Who you got? Yeah, you, I
1: think, hit the nail on the head here where this is one of those games that has the potential to get real squirrely real quick just because I think there's a pressure on USC that Oregon does not have. Like, Oregon just needs to win this game. USC needs needs to win this game or Lincoln Riley is is done. Cool. Um and I, I think that the money that they just have there invested in him that has come up blank, you're, you're supposed to be an offensive genius and you're going to waste a Heisman-winning quarterback for two years and not even get close to the, to the Pac-12 championship. It's a waste. Um, that being said, I think that's going to happen. I think Oregon wins this game. <laughs> I think Oregon puts up 38 points on the new-look USC uh, defense. And I think USC scores 30 points. I think I think it's
0: 38-30 Oregon over USC. Okay, so I'm going to preface this pick. If Irving, the running back for Oregon, rushes for over 120 yards, Oregon will win. But if they get into a shootout when it's Bo Nix versus Caleb Williams, give me Caleb Williams. I'm picking the Trojan boys, man. Give me the Trojan boys right here, man. Give me USC 48, Oregon 41. I'm picking the Trojans. I believe that this kid is fighting for something that's bigger. And I think anytime you get a coaching dynamic change in the middle of the season, it fires the troops up because they know that their spots are not sealed. There's defensive players that you're going to see that haven't played all year for USC that's going to play. And they're not going to put up with mediocrity. Because Lincoln Riley's job might be on the line. He can't have four losses. Matter of fact, let alone he can still get five because UCLA can beat him. With a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, and you were supposed to be a top four team going into it, oh, they'll fire you. Give me the Trojan boys, man. Give me the Trollers boys because I think Caleb Williams goes out on top. I think he does. The kid's a winner. And I'm sticking with him, and I believe he's a winner. So, Andy. There's our show. What you got going on, Andy? Tell the people what's rocking out and what's happening with Fans First Sports Network, bro. Yeah, make sure that you're
1: subscribed and uh, following Fans First Sports College Football uh, on your podcast platform. You're going to get this show. You're going to get the uh, ACC show that I host once a week. Uh, There's lots of good stuff happening from all of our co-hosts across this network. You definitely want to follow us there. And then follow me at AC Pregler on all sorts of socials. Uh Substack, blue sky, the old Twitter, like whatever it is. Uh, I'm going to be there with uh, AC Pregler Posting about college football, having a good time. Also uh quietly
0: celebrating the Steelers resurgence here, five and three and in the playoffs. <laughs> Man, I know Andy. I, hey, listen, the AFC North is the best conference in all of football. If the playoffs started today, all four teams will be in. I don't think that's ever happened in the modern age or modern era where you're going to get 14 from one conference in the playoffs. So shout out to everybody in the AFC without a shadow of a doubt. Cincinnati Bengals, Cleveland Browns, Pittsburgh Steelers, and Baltimore Ravens. You guys are playing outstanding football. Saying all that, I appreciate you guys rocking with us on Fans First Sports Network, Level Up Podcast, me and my boy Andy P. We thank you guys in the live chat with all the live and lit up comments. We appreciate it. Make sure you check me and Andy out next week. Check me out on Wednesday night with Puppy Breaks Podcast. Tape Boy Fresh, my boy Shannon. We're gonna say some stuff on Fans First Sports Network. Check out the homies podcast on Friday nights on Fans First Sports Network. And make sure you swing on over to the Know It Alls podcast on Sundays with me, my boy, my boy Mod, and my boy Tape Boy Fresh as we cover all sports. As for me, Andy P on the Level Up College Football Podcast, we appreciate y'all. And we're out. Peace.